Welcome to the Red Letter Christians podcast. Red Letter Christians gets our name from the Bibles that highlight the words of Jesus in red. And we're aspiring to live as if Jesus meant the stuff he said. We know that the loudest, most prominent voices representing Christianity in America haven't always been the most beautiful or the most faithful voices. And we know that the way we change the narrative is by changing the narrators. We are committed to amplifying the voices of people who are dedicated to Jesus and to justice. All right. Good morning. It is June. Hello, everybody. Jonathan, June 1st is my mother's birthday. So I'm thankful for that. Ooh, that is a special day. <laughs> get, to, get to call mom today and see her soon. Uh, June is also, everybody, it, it is uh, uh, Pride Month, so we're remembering our LGBTQ plus uh, siblings. It's also uh, Gun Violence Awareness Month. I got my shirt. The, the wear orange is a thing, right, John, in the uh, gun violence movement, uh, because it all started after a young woman performed uh, in D.C. with the Obama inauguration and a week later was killed in Chicago, so uh, a lot of folks are wearing orange this month, and um, actually, you can get these one of these shirts off our website if you want to, or you can get other orange stuff online. Um, and uh, it's also the uh, Poor People's Campaign March uh, this month, so we're going to hear more about that, right, Jonathan? We're all getting ready, uh, June June eighteenth in in uh, DC. So, yeah, man, you doing good, John? Catch a bus. Oh, no. It's a good week to sign up for the bus. There's 400 buses leaving from all over the country. So go to rally.co and get on a bus to the Poor People's Campaigns, Mass Poor People's and Low Workers, Low Wage Workers Assembly in Washington, D.C., June 18th. And y'all are blessed this morning because we got two uh, dear friends, Randy and Edith Woodley, that are joining us. They're going to be the, the bulk of the conversation we'll have in just a little bit. The way that we we flow this morning. If you if you're just joining for the first time, is uh, we I'll do a little intro to the month of June from Common Prayer. Each month we've got a different uh, mark of Christian discipleship that we talk about, and this month we're talking about creation care. And uh, our, our, our guests, Randy and Edith, are going to uh, lead us in that conversation. We've got a reflection at the beginning of the month. But this month, June, just a few things that we will remember through the month. This is kind of the month at a glance thing. We've got Mother's Day coming up. So if you're not ready, you, can, uh, you better get on it. But it's, uh, uh, it was in 1872 that Julia Ward Howe and others uh, launched the Mother's Day. Really, a part of it was a active war resistance and saying we, we're not going to arrive at peace by killing each other's children or uh, we've got to do better. So um, we talk about that on June 2nd. June 4th is the anniversary of the Tiananmen Square in, in Beijing where students were nonviolently protesting and uh, hundreds of them were uh, killed. And we get that iconic image of the man standing in front of the tanks uh, is in 1989. We remember June 5th, the Six-Day War in Israel and Palestine. That was a, 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 a pivotal moment for the struggle in the Middle East in 1967. Um, that's when Israel uh, took the uh, Gaza Strip and the Sinai Peninsula, a lot of the area we call the West Bank now, and uh, that was in 1967. So that's a real moment that we remember the struggle there and pray for justice and for peace there. We remember Seattle uh, on June 7th. We remember G.K. Chesterton on June 14th and uh, got a good quote by him. I'm not going to I'm not going to blow the cover on that one, but it's, it's got a good quote on the 14th. And June 15th, it, we remember those who were arrested for not participating uh, in the nuclear war drills. 29 people were arrested. It was a part of the war resistance. Uh, Dorothy Day and others were a part of that. June 16th, we remember the students who were massacred in South Africa in Soweto. Um, I don't know if you've been there, John. I went to that little village and there's all kinds of memorials. Just a reminder that young people, these students, these teenagers were uh, a part of 
the fall of apartheid. And they also, uh, that came at a great cost as these, these young people were, 700 of them were killed on June 16th. We remember that. We remember John Wesley this month. I got some Methodist DNA in my, my blood. So we remember him. We remember um, uh, June 19th, uh, Juneteenth is the, uh, in 1865, when the last enslaved people in Texas learned of their emancipation. So uh, there'll be lots of celebrations. And of course, as we mentioned, June 18th is the March on Washington with Poor People's Campaign. Um, we remember the, the uh, Freedom Summer activists with the civil rights movement that were killed um, as they were registering black voters and fighting for voting rights on June 21st. June 25th, we remember the Charter of the UN, 50 countries uh, launched the United Nations after World War II. Um, and we remember some more saints at the end of the month. So it's a month, y'all, June. And we're kicking it off this month uh, together in prayer. Thanks for joining us. We love it when you put it in the comments there uh, where you're coming from, where you're joining us from. Usually we've got folks uh, all, all over the globe putting our voices together in prayer. So if you don't have Common Prayer in front of you, you can go to commonprayer.net and uh, follow along, or you can just listen, but uh, we'll kick it off here. Jonathan, you got anything else before we get going, man? You doing all right? I'm doing all right. I was just thinking as you were uh, going through the month, uh, when you mentioned the anniversary of that massacre at Soweto, I was thinking about that powerful story that uh, Brother Malcolm told us at morning prayer a few months ago of how he and Desmond Tutu and others went just after that and celebrated communion there and the powerful uh, songs of praise and protest that came out of that. And uh, he shared with us how with the common hymnal group, uh, they're continuing that tradition right here in these United States. So uh, grateful for them. They were with us at the monthly forum this month too. Mm. Common hymnal. Yeah. It's a great group. I had a, buddy Jalen and uh, his family here yesterday and uh, writing some new freedom songs. So it's beautiful. Yeah. All right. Well, one of the things we do with common prayer is we try to remember the old songs and learn the new ones too. So St. Augustine said, whoever sings prays twice. So let's pray and sing. It's June 1st. Oh Lord, let my soul rise up to meet you. As the day rises to meet the sun, oh Lord, let my soul rise up to meet you. As the day rises to meet the sun, glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Come, let us bow down and bend the knee. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. I looked over Jordan and what did I see? Coming for to carry me home. It was a band full of angels coming after me. Coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot. Coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot. Coming for to carry me home. Lord, we wait on you. Guide us in the time of trouble. Psalm 3. Lord, how many adversaries I have. How many there are who rise up against me. How many there are who say of me, there is no help for him in his God. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield about me. You are my glory the one who lifts up my head. I call aloud upon the Lord, and God answers me from God's holy hill. I lie down and go to sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. Lord, we wait on you. Guide us in the time of trouble. 
Our reading this morning is from the first chapter of the book of Acts, which begins, in the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing up toward heaven, and suddenly two men in white robes stood by them, and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come in the same way that you saw him go. And then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. All of these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer, together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. Lord, we wait on you. Guide us in the time of trouble. This is a quote from uh, Abba Anthony, Desert Father. Pay attention to what I tell you. Whoever you may be, always have God before your eyes. Whatever you do, do it according to the testimony of the Holy Scriptures. In whatever place you live, do not easily leave it. Keep these three precepts and you will be saved. All right. Amen. Well, we are in for a treat today. Such a joy to have with us, Randy and Edith Woodley. Welcome, y'all. Hey. Hey. Good morning. Good to see you and good to be praying with you. Yeah. Let, let, you know, for folks that don't know about Elohe and your wonderful work, uh, these guys, have, uh, if you haven't seen uh, the books, children's books, adult books, all kinds of uh, great work that's happening. Tell us, tell us a little bit more about Elohe and the work uh, y'all are up to out there. Okay. Wow. <laughs> well, Elohe Indigenous Center for Earth Justice and Elohe Farm and Seeds is like it says. Um, and uh, we have a farm and a seed company and uh, a 10 acre property, which is uh, also used in uh, meditative ways to get people close to reconnect with the earth. Um, we do, we are learning communities. So we have schools, uh, we have a community um, that gathers around uh, native ceremony. And, uh, and then we have this farm. And so we're, you know, we do some mentoring and things like that. What yeah. else? Um, we uh, sell our seeds online and uh, yeah, everything to do with the farming part is, is a lot of fun, but it's also a lot of work. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, you know, we uh, just uh, finally finished putting up our uh, four teepees that we um that we got and then the yurt and those are up and now we're mm. in the process of uh doing an outdoor arbor and um that's just need to put the top on it and then we're done with that so yeah we're we're mm. hoping to uh be doing some in-person learning this summer in july so yeah all right 
we just kind of you know, I was I was thinking about y'all when we were praying this psalm this morning just because I know that uh your ministry has been life-giving to so many people and you've also met some real resistance you know we were praying lord how many adversaries i have i remember visiting y'all in kentucky and uh you're not in kentucky anymore it it might be helpful to folks who are joining us just to know a little bit of how how much struggle it's taken to get y'all to where you are and and how indeed the lord has been a shield but yes. uh, but you've needed a shield that's for sure <laughs> Uh, yeah, how many years do you have? We'll tell that story. <laughs> I mean, it can be really long or it can be really short. So it just depends on what version you want. Yeah. So we've met resistance. We were, we were, uh, the biggest resistance along the way has been, um, you know, um, because we are um, fully immersed in our God given native culture. Uh, so people have come against that a lot and uh, because they've, the missionaries and others have told them, all oh, that's evil, right? So we suffered years of that. And then uh, when we established the first Alahe uh, in uh, Kentucky, um, we, were, we eventually lost it to violent pressure from white supremacists and a 50 caliber machine gun. And, and we lost everything and had to restart again. And we started with a small three and a half acre place about 20 minutes from here and then eventually um we're able to purchase this uh, 10 acres which is our final iteration of of Elahe. and uh, Elahe is a Cherokee Indian word it means abundance and um life and uh, wholeness and peace and you know much like the big construct of shalom in scripture and um and so that's what we try to live that out here and to share that with others so um, yeah, but you know, part of being uh, human is not not part of being human. I say the biggest part of being human is being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And uh, I look at uh, God as the most vulnerable being who exists. And uh, I like that one scripture. I started thinking about this when uh, I read the scripture by Paul in one of his books, Thessalonians. I think one of the Thessalonians, and it said, um, "God is more tender than a nursing mother." Oh. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've had a few kids and I've watched my wife. I've never been that nursing <laughs> mother, but, uh, uh, and it's a very tender thing, mm -hmm. but, you know, I looked up that word and that word, that word for tenderness that to, is much like, it's like one of the most expressive words you can like, it's kind of like, you know, how a snail has its eye out, you know, and just think of maybe poking that eye. That's how God is. He's out there and tender for us. Oh. And uh, so I figured out that, uh, and our native teaches, teaches us this as well, that being human is to be vulnerable, to be honest, to be truthful, and to, uh, uh, to live in that way. And when you live in that way, people are going to hurt you, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, think about Jesus. And, uh, you know, if, if Jesus life is an expression of God's tenderness, then man, look at that, you know, born in a, born in the circumstances in a barn, you know, refugee, um, you know, uh, hanging out, uh, most of his life with, uh, people who were discards of society, mm -hmm. um, dying a criminal's death, all of that, you know, that's all that's showing God's vulnerability. And so um, for us to be human is to be spiritual, to accept our humanity, to mm -hmm. be vulnerable, to be honest, to be uh, to 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 do that in love. And and uh, we also learn that from nature, you know, mm -hmm. like uh, you, you ever been. I'm sure you all have been uh, out in nature where uh, a storm arises or, you know, things like that. And man, you're completely vulnerable. Right. Yeah. Mm, mm, so yeah. uh, and you realize then who god is and who you are yeah yeah well, yeah steve yeah so that's that's kind of the sort of spirituality we teach here is is that um yeah i, I think of uh, as you were saying that randy i was thinking of uh one of the mothers that lost her kids in our neighborhood to gun violence and mm. she said uh, you know with tears rolling down her face she said god knows what it feels like uh, to be me, you know, to, to, to see your, your child just crushed before mm -hmm. your eyes. Um, 
And there's a lot of communities I think that feel that vulnerability right now. You know, this this week I was in Uvalde at the school where those those babies, you know, second to fourth graders were terrorized by the shooting. And um and we think of the folks in Buffalo that were really targeted, you know, the elders, yeah. 80 years old, these grandmothers, right, elders of that community that were terrorized by a racially motivated uh 18 year old shooter right and and as you as we think of that you know there's a lot of people that are saying we just need more guns you know we need to arm everybody but i'm i'm guessing you got a different take on it you know because i've seen we, we've beat on a gun together <laughs> and uh, yeah. your, your tradition i think is you know it's hard to imagine america without guns and without that violence and it's so sort of one of our original sins, it seems like. Um, but um, if, if you how do you think about that, healing that? Yeah. If you live by that. Uh, so so injustice is the violation of living in harmony or living in vulnerability, if you will, when others refuse to live the same way. Right. So you're, you're going to have injustice. And that happens not just on a personal level, but that happens on a systemic level. And so and we have it in America. Uh, America's original sin was genocide and then slavery. And then, uh, but see, that's where the violence comes from. It begins with violence. It begins with attempted genocide. And so um, America, as someone has said, is, doesn't just like war. America is war. America is violence. And so... Um, what we need, you know, <laughs> is more love and more, more vulnerability and people modeling that and teaching that, mm-hmm. not teaching people how, you know, uh, you know, how to be, quote unquote, stronger and more aggressive and those kinds of things. That's not that's not going to do anything but get us back to that American myth of violence. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I'm glad that, you know, our, our native ways, um, you know, we're pictured as bloodthirsty warriors right and all the movies and all that kind of stuff but actually we had way more peacemaking strategies uh than war Um, native people had much rather be at peace you know than at war you could trade you could you know get stuff you could uh you know it's just war is a hassle Hmm. so um but you know i think in one of my books i think it might have been shalom in the community of creation i outlined all the years that uh america has been at war and there's only been like three periods in American history. And, and one of them was like two years. One of them was like five years. And one of them was like eight years where we haven't been at war with somebody. So, so this is, we have to look deep into the roots of what's going on. If we want to change it, we can, you know, it's yes, we need to, to work on the problems like gun laws and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, we have to look deep into the roots of where this came from. It yeah. came from an attempted genocide a stealing of of land and and the working of land uh stealing of people's bodies and their labor um that was not rightfully belonging to the europeans who came over and took it and so um so this is a great sin of america i wonder along the lines of what you were saying earlier about vulnerability i wonder about this moment we're in in terms of creation care and you know, the climate catastrophe that is present and evident uh, in in so many ways. It it seems like um, on that front, there's an awareness of vulnerability that maybe we've ignored for a long time, but it seems like, uh, you know, there's some traditions, including those that y'all try to teach that uh, have been trying to tell us a long time that our relationship to the land, you know, hasn't quite been right so i wonder how do you make sense of sort of how you can learn to be human when you've become particularly vulnerable or or you know kind of like shane was saying with the the violence that's been so present i mean it, it seems like a lot of it is coming home to roost and people are prone to panic so how do you how do you learn to be vulnerable when you're scared to death mm-hmm. isn't that hard yeah it's hard it's it's hard when you have uh, 50 caliber machine guns shooting around and your kids are running around and, yeah. you know, and then your animals are running around and you, uh, and you just have to pray and you just have to, you know, uh, get support from your community. Uh, 
and, uh, and, you know, use wisdom. But, uh, yeah, we've been in those kinds of situations. We've received death threats and, and other things. Um, and, yeah, you can harden yourself against it, right? So I remember one time um, one of the leaders of the group that, that was, came against us in uh, Kentucky when we were there, Edith and I were, were uh, having breakfast at uh, Bob Evans, right? And, uh, uh, and we were sitting the kind of, our booth was here and then across here's another, there's an aisle and then the other booth. And there's a fellow sitting over there by himself. And I said to my wife, this was like, right. I think the day before we left, yes, right. Yeah. Uh, Kentucky and all of this, we upset our whole lives. We lost everything financially. We lost everything. I think it uh, had a really bad effect on our children, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, uh, and I, I said to Edith, I was holding her hand at the time. And I said, uh, see that guy over there. And she said, yeah, I said, that's one of the guys that was behind all this. And mm. she grabbed my hand real tight. I could tell she was getting upset. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and I said, but think of this, you remember that reading in the paper about that woman who had the, her daughter and another teenage girl, and they got in a drunk driving accident. And the other girl lost her life and they were both hospitalized. And then she ended up going to prison. Mm-hmm. I said, that was his wife. Mm. I that. And I said, what we're losing. Yeah. It was years of work. It was all of that, but we still had our family intact, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I just felt like he'd suffered more than we had. And from that point on, I just was able to forgive them, you know, mm-hmm. and, and not because like, he deserved that or, you know, certainly God didn't make that happen. None of that kind of crazy stuff. But, but I think it was just like, it showed me as a human being that he had learned, I think uh, he never apologized anything like that. That's, I didn't need that, but, but I just needed to realize his humanity. Mm. And when we see that common humanity in our enemies, that's Mm. what Jesus was talking about. You know, Mm. love your enemies, pray for them, you know, forgive them. Mm. And, uh, mm-hmm. I think, I think that's the only way to get through it really. I, otherwise it's, it hurts ourselves. That's powerful. Yeah. I wanted to, uh, if I could, uh, read a little thing. Um, so I did, I know you wanted me to talk about, uh, the book becoming rooted. Um, yeah, you know, there it is. Uh, 100 days of reconnecting with sacred earth. And we can read some stuff out of that if you want, but I'm writing a new book. It's, it'll be published in about two months. Uh, it's called mission and the cultural other. And, and I just oh. wanted to read a couple paragraphs out of that. If I could, this is a pre-release. So, you know, <laughs> nobody's seen this so far. This you'll be the first ones. Awesome. And, uh, just don't tell anybody. Okay. Yeah. Don't, uh, don't, don't right. broadcast this. Yeah. Keep it there. But I just, this is in the section where we talk about, I talk about um, God's four books, basically, mm. and creation being the first. And I just lifted a couple paragraphs out of that. And I thought it might be good to, to just uh, share that with you all this morning, if I could. Um, Wonderful. So, all right. So I'm going to read this. It says, the balance and beauty and harmony we see in nature reveals a beautiful creator. The natural disruptions, even the cycle of death reminds us that life is short and should be experienced as harmoniously as possible. Death and suffering are a constant reminder that life is for living well, and they point to a better way. Perhaps death and suffering are the gift of pointing us to living life well while we have the opportunity. Perhaps the comfort of God's presence is the greatest theological principle we can draw from theodicy. I've observed that most of us feel a deep and primal desire to experience nature, but also to safeguard ourselves from the harsh realities of nature. This balance has been the plight of humanity from time immemorial. Despite our fear of the natural world, our constant captivation by the beauty of creation and all her creatures never ceases. If Jesus is an example of how we might view creation, we cannot neglect the stories that reveal his deep wonderment. Jesus, in his ecological context, apparently had a relationship with trees, flowers, animals, birds, and fish. He spoke of foxes' homes and sparrows, the the sparrows' place of importance in God's eyes. 
of the beauty of flowers. Jesus knew when grain was ready for harvest. He knew where to catch fish. He understood the weather. Uh, he knew when a tree was healthy or not, and apparently observed the habits of a particular donkey at some time. <laughs> the Second Testament is filled with examples that speak of Jesus' connection to and relationship with nature. And as the story goes, there were plenty of animals present to witness his birth. Jesus himself learned from creation. Might we not also follow his lead? Perhaps his backwater Galilean upbringing shielded Jesus from urban enticements. But even more than should we expect a country boy in the city to, to gander and gawk at the many huge buildings and Roman chariots and to wonder about aqueducts and iron weaponry. Yet these were not Jesus's distractions. If he was distracted by anything, it was the wonderment of what he observed in creation. True to the scriptures of his Jewish faith, he allowed these wonders to point him to the glories underneath his feet and surrounding him. Creation for Jesus and all indigenous people, and those who all, all those who live close to the earth, is the greatest teacher. This fact does not take away the sanctity of scriptures, but rather allows them to point to God's greatest gift of all humanity and the whole community of creation from time immemorial. That's that beautiful. beautiful. That was a treat right there. Reminds me of that great line from uh, Emily Dickinson when she says, uh, consider the lilies is the only commandment I ever kept. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> it also makes me remember, I think you're so right. And we often don't observe it about Jesus, but I remember as a child, um, you know, when you're a kid, at least where I grew up out in the country in the public schools, the, the, like the most exciting thing that could happen was a snow day. And we'd always talk to each other about whether we were going to get a snow day. And I remember there was this uh, elder in the church. Uh, his name was Ira, Mr. Tedder. And um, uh, one evening at the church, uh, he heard overheard some of us talking. And he said, uh, he said, y'all, it's, it's going to snow tomorrow. And uh, I woke up the next morning and the place was covered in snow and I, it was like magic. I just thought that's incredible. And so uh, I asked my parents about it. They said, well, that man's been a farmer all his life. You know, he pays attention to the weather. <laughs> I, I thought he had some sort of magic power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and Jesus observed nature in that same way. You know, he yeah. little close to it. He was homeless a lot of his life. Hmm. So. Mm. Mm. And, and, and that's the first book. So what are the other three books? Well, God there's the, the book of creation. Uh, there's the book of uh, tradition, community. Mm. Yeah. There's the book of conscience. Mm. And there's the books of scripture. Yeah. Yeah. All four speaking this to is, us. So this is all from becoming rooted. So you can pretty no, no, this, right? This is this is not from becoming rooted. That's kind of this is my exception. Oh, this, this is, is your from, newest. You're writing books quicker, and we can keep up with them, man. Yeah. This, <laughs> this book is from a book that will be out in a couple of months called "Mission and the Cultural Other: A Closer Look," where I cool. kind of review the whole Western missionary paradigm. So, but, I would uh, say yeah. for folks for folks who don't know. Uh, Randy is quite a scholar and has done incredibly important work in missiology. Uh, as he mentioned, the so-called missionaries uh, of the colonialist church uh, did a lot of damage uh, in terms of uh, creating a model of um, quote unquote, sharing the gospel uh, that was really about um, crushing people and their traditions. And uh, as someone who has uh, survived that and uh, who knows Jesus very much uh, uh, for himself and in the community, uh, has done the work of kind of reimagining mission from that perspective. So um, this coming book, I'm sure, will be another gift, but uh, I'd encourage y'all to, to read all of his work. It's been... Uh, been very helpful to me and i'm grateful uh, to you and others for the um uh, let me make sure i get the acronym right it's nates right the uh, -huh. uh yeah we started nate, uh back in what was it 
202 or something like that. Yeah. No, no, no two, whatever it was, long time ago. Yeah. But North I, American I, I, Institute for Indigenous Theological Studies. Yeah. Which is still going on. We're we're not uh, on the board anymore, but uh, we are co-founders of it. Yeah. Yeah. What a gift to have Indigenous Theological Studies when uh, when I, I think it particularly at a moment when so many people who have come up uh, you know, within traditions uh, that have twisted the scriptures are trying to figure out, you know, in those circles, there's lots of talk these days about deconstruction and, you know, how do you, once you realize you've been in something that's not only hurting other people, but self-destructive, where do you go? And I think uh, indigenous theological studies are important gifts yeah. to receive in the midst of that journey. So any, anybody who's on that journey and, 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 um, uh, looking for answers, Nate's is a great place to go. I tell us, uh, you know, the, the books and the writing. I think that we 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 uh, we love all that too, but we got to get our hands dirty sometimes. And you've uh, you've been planting some some stuff out there, I guess, and people can get their seeds. We just got a, a swarm of bees. My wife grabbed a swarm of bees, and we we got some honeybees growing out here now and things. But uh, what are some other ways that people that might not be uh, as in touch with creation and, and uh, as they want to be some, some beginning steps. What, and, and even like, what are some things we're planting right now? Um, wow. That's, I don't know. Um, really, you know, it's just, even if you're not really in touch with creation or growing stuff and it's, it's not that hard to grow a plant. I mean, um, my mother and his mother, they both could grow things, especially his mother. His mother could really grow stuff. She had a green thumb. Um, but me, I could get a plant and I could kill it really easy. Um, no matter how I try to pay attention to it until I really started looking at um, what did it for me was the... Um, was I had saved some seeds from a tomato plant one time. Oh. And I um, looked it all up and, you know, so, oh, okay, this is how I do it. Oh, this is kind of cool and all this kind of stuff. And then uh, the following spring, I replanted those. And in, you know, in little pots in our house, in our dining room, on our table. And it was just, and as they started coming up, it was like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. This is so cool. And it just, from that point on, put them in the ground and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And then from that one little tomato seed, it grew all these other tomatoes, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's just like, it's not that hard. It's really cool to watch, you know, do it with your kids, uh, your grandkids or whatever, you know, just get out there and Put your hands in the soil because there's so much life within mm. that soil. I mean, you're, I mean, that dirt, if it's a healthy, if it's healthy ground, if it's healthy dirt, it has so much life in it. Mm. I mean, uh, Randy can go into all the scientific aspects of the, of the scientific point of what the, uh, the soil has um, in it. But all these nematodes and anthropods and mycelium. Yeah. yeah, all this mycelium, <laughs> all those little things create life and they help those plants, right? So it doesn't take much, just a little bit of tender, loving care, some TLC, and make sure you water your plants. But the thing is, is you got to fall in love with that plant. When you give tender love, like Randy was describing, that love to your plant, that plant will give it all back to you. And it is so cool to be able to watch and um, and just, it, it, it's, um, that's how I fell in love with gardening and mm -hmm. planting and doing what we're doing and saving our seeds from our plants. Because, mm -hmm. you know, seeds mean life. Uh. You know, seeds are life. That's what's going to carry us on when everything else is falling around us. I believe this. Those seeds that we save from our plants, they will carry us into the future. Mm. 
And Boy, I tell you, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, I really believe in, in what we're doing here. So, so I'm going to stretch that out into a metaphor. Uh -oh. Okay. <laughs> so that those seeds that we plant in each other's lives and in our structures and systems around us that we plant in tenderness and care and love, you know, they also produce fruit and they grow. So, yeah. And I, I'm always amazed that, uh, you know, we've, we've started vermicomposting cause you need to make good, uh, you got to kind of create your own soil and fertilizer, especially in the concrete world. So I got all my worms. I talk to them. I, I love the kids love them. They'll pick them up. There's just thousands and thousands of worms, you know, and, uh, but the bees are new and Katie's the beekeeper. And she'd been telling me all the, like, it, it is, it takes, it, it takes a lot of work not to believe that there's a creator when you see the miracle of all this. I mean, the mm -hmm. ways that a beehive works. I mean, uh, it, one of the things that I just learned from Katie is they, they like a real clean house, the bees. And, uh, and so if a mouse gets in there mm -hmm. uh, and messes things up, then, um, if it dies they, it's too heavy for them to pull out and the creator's given them god's given them the ability to basically mummify that thing right they wrap it up like a spider in the spider web and and to keep it from the bacteria from infecting their whole beehive i mean i just keep hearing these things i'm like what in the world you know this is this is wild and well it's, thank, thank you this kind of that yeah here's one when you're corn, the, the, the dumb down corn doesn't do this. Only the indigenous, you know, the good corn, open pollinated, they hadn't been messed with that much. That's why we need to, to support open pollinated seeds, right? That are, you know, the more towards the original. But a corn borer gets in the corn and the corn puts out a pheromone mm -hmm. that calls for a wash that comes and eats the corn borers. You know, huh. and creation speaks to one another that way in so many ways that we don't even know. I mean, it's alive, you know, yeah. and so, you know, that's, that's where we get to be a part of that cycle, that, that whole circle of life or, and, you know, uh, yeah, it's, we, we've, and that's what it means to be, to become indigenous to a land is to learn how to live with that land, right. Mm -hmm. And learn how to live with the plants in that land and learn how to, to grow and sustain yourself in that land. And so in this book, Becoming Rooted, one of the things I say is that, you know, uh, I kind of make a distinction between capital I indigenous, the host people of this particular land, and small I indigenous, that we all need to become more indigenous, right? And we're all indigenous from somewhere, given the separation of time and place. And so we each need to get in touch with our indigeneity. And part of that is becoming familiar with the land that we're on in that intimate kind of way that Edith was talking about and that you're talking about. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I, I'm uh, not far from where I grew up, which is uh, uh, the, the, my understanding is that the beginning of the removal of the Cherokee people, the, the Trail of Tears and everything is right in this uh, area between North Carolina and Tennessee, where I was raised. And I went there to sort of honor that, uh, all the pain that happened here but also it's such a beautiful area but your your heart's grieved by the that history and we looked everywhere y'all randy and Edith, we, we like we drove all over that area looking for some kind of memorial or monument or recognition and there wasn't anything that we could find um and the only reason i knew that that was where the kind of trail of tears was started was because of the kind of oral history there you know of people that knew that but what are what are some other steps you know that we can honor the creator and creation but also the indigenous lives lost like where we are are there like resources that you think if, if i want to know my place better i know there's websites that you can see hmm. and things like that but what do you think especially folks that might not be indigenous that are going i, I want to know a little bit more of the history of this land yeah. and how i can honor it yeah so you know right now we're in the middle of a, a sort of a land acknowledgement movement right which is, which is a good first step, right? But then we need to, to go on and, and not just, we need to understand the history and because the land is alive. The land has a history, the land remembers. And so when we remember the, the histories 
that's that's a good thing when we you know learn from those people. But we also need to realize that most of those tribes are still around, and those are still the descendants of those same people with the tragedies, right? Yeah. So part of of being biblical, and I know y'all are all about being biblical. So um, it is reparations, right? And so we have to find guides to help us work through reparations so that um, uh, we can sort of, um, and it's, we think about reparations a lot of times in the wrong way. We think about it as, you know, like to help those people who were hurt, but actually it is, is reparations is what ends up healing us. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, Zacchaeus is a great example, you know, today, yeah. you know, salvation or, yeah. or the, a better word for that right there is healing. Today, healing has come to your house because you're giving back right and jesus recognized that and so this is something that we're we're all about you know trying to uh help people figure out how to do that and things and but we need trustworthy guides along the way um but there's a like when we came to this land we we talked to this is the land of the kalapuyan people the yamal band of the kalapuyan and we went to um the chairperson of the tribe and we asked for, uh, we asked a question. We said, uh, you know, what could we do to honor the land that we're on? We know it's your land. God recognizes it as your land. Uh, it was stolen, um, but we want to honor you and the land and the creator. And what can we do? And immediately she said, plant huckleberries. So, um, you know, and there's a whole story behind that, how they're disappearing and all that. But, but her first concern was for the land. Hmm. And, and going in the history and, and healing and all that is one thing. But the, the reason I wrote the book, Becoming Rooted, was because I wanted to give people, a, you know, it's 100 days of reconnecting with sacred earth. I wanted to give people short, bite-sized things that they could think about and do every single day, you know, as a sort of a meditation, uh, a devotional meditation process. And I think the idea behind this was, you know, your school of conversion we're trying to convert people too. We're trying to convert them from a Western worldview to a more indigenous worldview because the Western worldview is not going to sustain our future. And Mm -hmm. so I wrote this to to help people convert along the way. So, so we need to not just learn about the history and what those people are doing now and what are the causes they're fighting for. 99% of the time, it's going to be something to do with the land, you know, trying to, to, to help the land by not having, you know, uh, oil pipelines go through it or whatever else. Mm. Um, and support those kinds of causes. But also, we have to indigenize ourselves to the land. We can't just say, oh, it's up to these people to do that for us. No, you know, I think the gift of indigenous people is to, uh, to teach others how to live with the land. And so, um, so that's what we try to do with that, that particular book. Yeah. Well, thanks for helping yeah. us this morning turn, turn a little bit more towards the land and towards the creator and towards vulnerability mm-hmm. and life i love i love how you described either really you know that turn from uh, trying to you know not kill a plant to learning to cooperate with the life that's already there that's a beautiful thing learning to cooperate with life yeah yeah, yeah that's it well thank y'all we're grateful for you and uh we can you can see more about Randy and Edith and Ella Hayes uh, on our Red Letter Christians website. Um, you can, those links are there, but how are some other ways that people can, can follow what you're doing or uh, get seeds or come hang out with you or whatever else you're up to? Yeah. So we, we have schools and cohorts. Um, Edith is part of a, a, a grandma's a indigenous grandma's cohort. It's called, uh, and they're starting up in the fall called the, uh, uh, indigenous badass gra- uh no uh, decolonizing with indigenous badass grandmas yeah right. there's that one and then uh i'm doing a cohort in the fall uh i think we'll start in september uh, on decolonizing your life and and then uh you know uh we take volunteer groups um we're 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 still have to build a building we're going to build a pole barn tar- type building um but we're we're asking one of the things we're asking people to do Uh, And um, is to there's going to be over a hundred thousand churches that are abandoned Mm. by 2025 between 2021 and 2025, and we're asking people to look and see if they can find one of those that would donate the proceeds of a building to us, 
so that we could build the building we need here to continue on. And so, um, uh, so that's one of the things we're doing. People can network and try to do that. But also, as these buildings are going up for sale in your various denominations and other places, think about the people of the land. Think about um, poor folks. Think about, you know, things that need happening, how to bring shalom in your own community. You know, these are the kinds of, of things that we need to be turning that money over to. Um, and uh, so that's a that's a big deal. Um, I just started thinking about that lately, but I thought, you know, I, just like everybody who runs a nonprofit, I hate fundraising. You know, <laughs> this is an easy way to, to fund all of our efforts, right? Mm. Um, take the what was meant for the gospel, which when it uh, when the buildings ended up sort of falling out of uh, people or whatever it was, and then turn them over to people who are actually still doing stuff, right? It's, a, it's our so, own own version of composting right there. Just, uh, yeah, yeah, composting <laughs> or you know, native <laughs> people use thought reparation. Right. It it can be reparations as well. Yeah. Um, So, uh, yeah, all that kind of stuff. uh, We're uh, go to alahey.org and uh, you can kind of see what we're up to. But yeah. And and when people are coming through, uh, let us know and visit us. It's uh, we host people all the time. There's a number of folks we mentor. um, And, you know, we stay pretty busy around here, but we always can use uh, workers, too. If anybody ever wants to come out, spend a week help build stuff, things like that. Yeah. Awesome. Right. Thanks y'all. And uh, everybody, we're going to do our little closing benediction and song here, but uh, it's been a gift to be with Randy and Edith Woodley. So continue to check out their work. Uh, And uh, just one last thing is uh, this is our book that we're reading this month with red letter Christians. It's uh, Reverend Sharon Richard's book for such a time as this. So grab that. We'll have to do Randy's new book uh, in a month or two here. So, um, but love y'all. And uh, we'll we'll see us out here. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. May the peace of the Lord Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Amen. Amen. Bless y'all. Have a good June. We'll see you soon. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Red Letter Christians podcast. Too often, Christians have used our faith as a ticket into heaven and a license to ignore the world we live in. But at Red Letter Christians, we believe our faith is not just about going to heaven when we die, but also about bringing heaven to earth while we live. For more information on Red Letter Christians and upcoming events, additional resources, you can go to the show notes or our website, redletterchristians.org. You can also support Red Letter Christians by giving a one-time donation or becoming a monthly sustainer. Just go to our website and click the red donate button. Thank you for being a part of this conversation and for being a part of this movement.